This episode, which includes an excerpt of Steve Jobs' legendary Stanford commencement speech, was produced and recorded before his passing. The Voice podcast team would like to dedicate this episode to Steve Jobs. The number you have dialed. You're listening to The Voice, episode 19. This episode, hosted by Graham McCatchick. Welcome to a new edition of The Voice. This is Graham McCatchick, and today we're ready to tackle a topic that impacts the entire working world, presentations. That's right. I'm here with Anil Delawry, uh, Managing Director of Save It Like Sully, presentation, training, and coaching. And you can uh, find out more about the company at saveitlikesully.com. Also joining us is Ken Rare of uh, Quick Twitch Creative, mm-hmm. also formerly of uh, A-Channel, Sportscaster. And uh, so have no fear, the presentation excellence experts are here for <laughs> this week's edition of The Voice. And I'm sure you're all um, feeling a little um, less anxious now that we're ready to tackle this topic, because I'm sure m- most of you are listening right now are ready to present, maybe even tomorrow or sometime in the coming week. So stay tuned later in the podcast when Anil and Ken uh, are going to give you some specific advice that's going to help you become a better presenter uh, and help your career. But first, let's take a listen to this clip from Steve Jobs' uh, commencement address at Stanford University in 2005. Then we'll talk in a moment. When I was young, there was an amazing publication called the Whole Earth Catalog, which was one of the Bibles of my generation. It was created by a fellow named Stuart Brand, not far from here in Menlo Park, and he brought it to life with his poetic touch. This was in the late 60s, before personal computers and desktop publishing, so it was all made with typewriters, scissors, and Polaroid cameras. It was sort of like Google in paperback form 35 years before Google came along. It was idealistic, overflowing with neat tools and great notions. Stuart and his team put out several issues of the Whole Earth Catalog, and then, when it had run its course, they put out a final issue. It was the mid-1970s, and I was your age. On the back cover of their final issue was a photograph of an early morning country road, the kind you might find yourself hitchhiking on if you were so adventurous. Beneath it were the words, stay hungry, stay foolish. It was their farewell message as they signed off, stay hungry, stay foolish. And I have always wished that for myself. And now, as you graduate to begin anew, I wish that for you. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Thank you all very much. Again, that's Steve Jobs, who's now chairman of Apple's board of director. Uh, He, of course, stepped down as CEO this past August. Uh, Everyone can access that full speech on YouTube, so Mm -hmm. you can go there to see that. But that's pretty compelling stuff. So, Mm -hmm. Anil, what's he doing right? What's he doing right? Well, he's he's known as the quintessential uh, great speaker. Everyone points to Steve Jobs when they think of great presenters Mm -hmm. out there. What's, What's funny about this presentation, this commencement speech in 2005, is it's actually his secret to success is actually quite simple. Um, he tells stories, and as he says at the beginning of his his presentation, you know, today I want to tell you three stories from my life. That's it, no big deal, mm-hmm. just three stories, and that's the secret to his success in this particular presentation. 
the beauty of stories is stories resonate with the audience so well as mm -hmm. opposed to just plain data that you present. I always say this about presentation, uh, sorry, uh, stories. People actually listen to stories as opposed to dozing off while a presentation is going on. Uh, they, they understand your point better when it's in the form of a story mm -hmm. and they remember your story. I, I have a, a client right now who, you know, five years ago he told me a story of one of his customers and everything that he did for the customer. And he's told me hundreds of things about his business since then but I'll always remember that story mm -hmm. that he told yep. me five years ago. Yeah, I mean, I've, I was working with this with um, a client uh, the other day, and they were writing a speech. They had to address a pretty big audience, but there was the facts, there was sta the stats, mm -hmm. there was some context. And then I said, wait a second, aren't you from that region of the country? Don't you have some good th stories to tell? Sure, that's right. And then it all came out, and, but it's just not an intuitive thing. Now, Ken, let, but let's get into it though in terms mm -hmm. of what specifically are we going to be looking for in terms of a great story. What are people going to latch on to? Well, number one, the, the story has to serve as a vehicle that's going to carry your message. It has to resonate. When you walk out the door and if that story resonates three weeks later, three months later, three years later, uh, it, it immediately gives it value. There's an impact there. Now the value of a story, it's so important in everything that we s subscribe to, uh, that we believe in. Uh, from the moment we were children, our dads and our moms shared stories. Uh, we listened to music. Music is stories. Anything, you know, the written word, poetry, a great book is a great story. And it carries a message with you and, and it, it, it shapes a thought process of the listener or the viewer. And I'm a big firm believer in, in storytelling and I would never go into a presentation without at least two to three stories. And then you can read your audience to a point where if there's great value and you have a great connection, you can even add another story. Right. And stories, stories sell. Okay. They really do. So, so what's, you see a CEO like Steve, yeah. fantastic individual, but when you look at him, great CEO, but even a better person because he's, he's, he's human. Right. right. Okay, so people are probably listening now going, okay, great, I get it. I need to figure out what story is going to mm -hmm. work. I got this presentation. And it's on, you know, quantum physics. Right. You know, what am I going to do yeah. <laughs> to make this story come to life? Okay, what's the process, Anil? Is there, Anil, is there a, a real actual process that you go through to start drilling down to define your story? Yeah, I hear that okay. a lot, Graham, yeah. from clients saying, well, my, my topic of conversation is very convoluted or complicated. It doesn't lend itself well to a story. Mm -hmm. I think complicated topics are ones that need stories the most. Because, you know, you use the quantum physics example. Uh, you know, who understands that stuff? Mm -hmm. You know, put it in the form of a real-life story that either you ex have experienced personally in the lab or with uh, out there in the real world, mm -hmm. and then people will understand, oh, okay, that's what he's talking about when he's talking about all that fancy science stuff. It just makes it real. Yeah. So, it, you know, how do you do it? Just bring it back to real life. Think of your own personal experiences every day when res with respect to the topic that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It could be a CFL football game, it could be quantum physics, it could be presenting how to save costs within your individual company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I gave a speech, uh, I work at Volunteer Canada, so I was talking about volunteering on, in the context mm -hmm. of International Year Volunteers. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to forget the time I got, really understood volunteerism. I was working at CHIEL, actually, at Children's mm -hmm. Hospital of Eastern Ontario, and there I walked into an elevator, there was a girl, about 14, 50, had some, 15, had some baggy clothes, sort of slouched down, but then I saw her arms. Mm -hmm. There was cuts all up and down her arms and cuts on top of cuts, and they were self-inflicted, 
And then I made a connection with me. I said, okay, I'm sure I'm crunching some numbers here at the hospital doing some mm -hmm. research, but then I, I start to realize this, I'm, my time freely given is helping people like this. This is why, this is what it's all about. And I'm never gonna forget the girl in the elevator because she was my inspiration for even what I'm doing right now with IABC and this podcast, I'm volunteering to do that. So right. it's kind of it helped me and it ingrained it. But when I tell it like that, people go, oh yeah, I get it. Um, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a tough thing to sell sometimes to people, but you put a story around it. It is, and, yeah. and people are so focused during presentations on, you know, I have to get these 12, 12 points yeah. across. Yeah. I've got to get these 27 points across, that's yeah. the process. Yeah. But you know, what are they actually going to remember out of those 27 mm -hmm. points? They're probably going to remember your store. Okay, you're 100%. Now, Ken, yeah. do you think it's safe to say, if you're not a great presenter, that you're risking being passed over for a promotion? I mean, honestly, if you're at a senior level especially, you're going to be needing pre to present. Yeah, and you, you're going to find, you, if, if you're in a position where you, you're not comfortable presenting, a lot of times it's simply because it's like, for, from an athletics point of view, muscle memory. You got to continue to do it. You got to practice it, and and if you have a, for example, a young quarterback, and you got a veteran quarterback, well, that veteran quarterback is going to teach that young one. So you got to find someone who's going to be able to teach him some of the tools of the trade, so he develops a comfort level, and it's a very specialized, uh, you know, skill that Bill mm -hmm. brings to the table yeah. because not yeah. every client's the same. He's you've got clients walk in and say, oh, I don't really need this. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. And then they, through the scoring system and some of the things that Anil's presented to them, they go, oh, there's always there's that room for improvement. Right. Then you get that one person who comes in or two people who say, yeah, I'm not comfortable. Yeah. But then you get them out into their little zone, get them to their stories. Yeah. You find they're great presenters. Yeah. Well, what about the difference between presenting on camera, say, like as in your in your mm -hmm. job at A Channel, where you're you know presenting to camera essentially, you know, yeah. versus I'm in I'm in a boardroom and there's you know 12 executives staring at me in the face. There's there's a there's a comfort level you have behind the camera because you can almost disconnect yourself from the audience mm -hmm. and just get to your points and, and it's a gig, yeah. really, that's what that is, versus a presentation is very personal. And you have to have thick skin and you can't judge the audience based on some of the physical signs you see if someone maybe yawns or someone does this, someone does that, or all of a sudden they got all excited and they're fired up and the energy levels change with a live audience. And, yep. and you have to trust, one, your presentation, yep. your, mm -hmm. your presentation skills that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. The notion people used to go up and fake it till they make it. Yeah. That, there's there's nothing genuine about that. Yeah, and yeah. you're eventually inevitably you might get get away with it once or twice, but you're eventually going to bomb. And that's the worst thing. Okay. You know, <laughs> when it comes to presenting, I've actually gone back. I still know I've gone back to doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. I want to be on that edge. Yeah, yeah. Because now, wait, so hang on a second. Wait, did I catch that? Yeah. Where do we? Where can we see you? I, absolute comedy. All right, a bunch all right. of places. But I I want to be on that edge. So when I go in to present wherever or coach okay. you're seeing the, it's like baseball you're seeing the ball really well okay now Anil we talked uh, sort of offline about the psychology of presenting yeah. okay so mm -hmm. uh, later in the cast we'll, we'll get to a couple points you know tips perhaps but Anil what is this what's the psychology of presenting well uh, personally and this is just a personal thought I, I, I think presenting is much is as much a science as it is an art and the, the psychology around uh, presenting um, is really around kind of four key methods, four key elements, you know, the organization of your presentation, mm -hmm. the slides, everyone has to talk about the slides during their presentations, <laughs> um, uh, the delivery, physical delivery of your presentation, and then the preparation. 
So, you know, Ken mentioned that I, I score presentations. So almost every presentation I see, I score based on a thousand point system. Okay. And I allocate 250 points. A thousand points? points. A thousand yeah. points. Not, <laughs> no, exactly. well, not one out of 10 where you got a, you have a six, you're thinking, okay, I'm right. Well, exactly, exactly. We so, need an app for this thing. So 250 <laughs> points for, for organization, only 100 points for slides. Only 100 points, that's mm -hmm. it. Okay. 250 points for delivery, and then a whopping 400 points to effective preparation. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the mind play around presentations, is how do you effectively combine and work with those four elements? Let me come back to slides for a second. Slides, <laughs> yeah. everyone talks about slides. Yeah. And to many people, that yeah. is the, the main focus yeah. of their presentation, mm -hmm. the slides. Yet too few put, an, put a focus on themselves as a presenter. Yeah. I always say this to presenters, you know, what, what have you just sent the, the audience, the board of directors, the group that you're presenting to, what do you just sent them the slides yeah. and said, you know, I can't, of slides. I, exactly, <laughs> I can't make it, Here, here's my Here slides. You <laughs> do you think they'd be disappointed? And undoubtedly the answer is always, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, why? Well, they, you know, they kind of want to see me present. I'm like, exactly. Right. So let's put the focus more on you as opposed to the slides. Okay, yeah. and let's not forget, in the clip of Steve Jobs, did he have slides? No. No, no, no. he did not have slides. No. So I, I like to use the slides. I love using slides because I'm a, I'm a high-energy presenter. Okay. I like slides. I like the visuals. I like to, to just machine gun them okay. out there because okay. it, it captivates the audience because the audience they're visually driven. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, if you put a whole list of things you want to say up there for them to read, you know, you're in trouble. But also, on the other side, if you have too many slides, you know. Okay. Or use them ineffectively. So I've seen mm -hmm. Ken present a lot okay. and have worked with Ken. Ken's a great presenter and he effectively uses his slides. Yeah. And that's the, the key thing. We're not saying don't use slides yeah. here. You know, a lot of people use slides. If you use slides effectively, great. The epidemic out there in presentation land is that people are not using their slides mm -hmm. effectively. Okay, so just to circle back, okay, so you've talked about four components, but essentially, if you're not honing these things, you may not get promoted. Oh, wait, if you're linking back to career, absolutely. Okay, so yeah. I just want to make that yeah. clear to everybody, like this is a big deal. Like, well, it's presenting not is representing a, a brand. Yeah. You're representing your product, yeah. representing... Yeah. There's so much on the line, yeah. and, and like I'm you, have to, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I'm on. thinking, who am I going to hire? Mm -hmm. Okay, John, who's going to be your ambassador? You know, John is awesome at presenting. Um, maybe not the greatest writer, but I know mm -hmm. he's going to have to deliver on that front all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, Jim has got you know great writing skills, yeah. but he, he can't speak worth. Let me tell you, know. you a story about this. Okay, okay let's do it. <laughs> Tom Peters, famous uh, management uh, marketing guru out there, wrote a, a recent book called The Little Big Things. And in it, he talks about presentations, effective presentation skills. And he talks about how um, he had dinner with a uh, former Fortune 25 executive. And in it, the, the Fortune 25 executive said, you know, every year I, I groom my guys, my top people for the top and to, to rise through the organization. Mm -hmm. He says, undoubtedly, you know, two or three, in some cases all four, fall off track because of lousy presentation skills. Mm -hmm. I did a tweet earlier this summer that caught some attention that said, you know, fact, uh, presenters uh, who are great are thought of as being smarter than the average presenter. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unfair, it's unfortunate, but it's true. 
a recent Manager Tools podcast was raving about the value of Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know the Manager Tools podcast? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you ever encourage your clients to become members of Toastmasters? Do you believe in that program? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I, um, I think Toastmasters is great for new presenters mm -hmm. okay. <coughs> yeah. and people who, who are overcoming uh, extreme nervousness and anxiety mm -hmm. when presenting. Mainly because it, it does a great job of getting cycles, getting you in front of audiences mm -hmm. and just practicing the craft. I don't necessarily recommend it for business professionals. And the reason why is because um, I would say presenters are like snowflakes. Each and every one is different. Uh, and so in, in the You just made me feel special. I feel <laughs> special <laughs> right and now. And you should, Greg. <laughs> you should feel special. But you're right. Toastmasters is yeah. presenting 101. Exactly. Okay, they fine. put you through the meat grinder and, you know, everyone should present the same way. And fundamentally, that's just, that's just not the way it should be. Mm -hmm. You have certain strengths and weaknesses as a presenter, Graham. They're different from mine. They're different mm -hmm. from Ken's. And what we want to do in working with clients individually is, is making sure that your strengths are heightened and your weaknesses are buried. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, w and if you, if you haven't heard the Manager Tools podcast, by the way, go listen to it because it's Yeah, excellent. it's great. Um, and you can get that on iTunes. But one of the key points they made in that podcast is that it's uh, not just about getting up and being comfortable. Like anybody, you know, you know people, mm -hmm. they're just, oh, hey, that guy, he gets up, he can just talk. He's yeah. comfortable with people. He's a great presenter. Wrong, right? Yeah. Well, there's a combination, right? Because you need to be comfortable in your skin. You need to be comfortable as a presenter, but then you have to have the content. You need to have the, the resume to back it up and the knowledge, right? Because you're still there's still a sell job right. involved. And you may be a great guy, and people walk away going, he's a great presenter, but I can't remember a thing he told me. That's I didn't the learn, point. I didn't learn a thing. And there's a real tricky balance because you can get that guy in your company who's the great presenter, but you don't get the value. That you, you you return on hit on that investment. Okay, so now we all had a laugh a little bit <laughs> about this article I pulled from Men's Health magazine. It's the September uh, 2011 yes. edition, mm -hmm. and it says, "Win over every audience." And how do you do that? And Neil, how do you do that? You presented. amp it up. Yeah. You use catchphrases. Of course. You yeah. add reference and you ask questions. Yeah. And right next to that. On the article on the same page, it says, survive the spoon. How do you do that? <laughs> no, you got to explain survive the spoon because there's she visuals. She it, but you can't wait to liberate your arm. Okay, so anyways, this is the context we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, okay, let's just break this down. Look, or, or is any of this valid? I, I love men's health. Every yeah. time I'm looking to improve my abs and, abs, and, and shoulders. my shoulders. I haven't seen your abs, though. I, like refer, so. I refer to men's health. I think we should, we should stay away from men's health when we're talking about presentations. Um, and, you know, I'll, one of the things I mention in there is, you know, exaggerate your hand movement. You know, here's how, how weird that statement is. Um, Tom Albanese, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Tom Albanese is the CEO of Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto mm -hmm. is one of the largest mining and metals companies in the world. Um, if you've ever seen him on CNBC or BNN in an interview, he, he does something with his hands, which is crazy. It's, it's very ineffective. It's very distracting. He, he just wildly moves them um, in no, yeah. for no real reason. Mm -hmm. Show me, show me what it looks like. Just for, <laughs> yeah, it's great, it's great for the podcast. No, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, obviously some VP in his organization has said, you know, Mr. Albanese, you've got to move your hands when you talk. You look very bored or boring. Yeah. And he does a terrible job of it. And this gets back to my point of every presenter is different. Every presenter mm -hmm. has a strength. Sure Everyone has a weakness. Yeah. We really need to hone those strengths and bury the weaknesses. So applying just general thoughts like, well, everyone needs to move their hands a mm -hmm. lot. 
is is just a fallacy. It's not something that that we should we should practice. Well, the four keys are essentially stuff that my two and a half year old son does. Okay. You know, <laughs> and that doesn't make him a successful presenter. Okay. Uh, but there are there are you know, speakers out there and who do, do certain things are almost trademarks. Okay. Bill Clinton, the old That's thumbs right. up. That's yeah. right. The yeah. old yeah. thumbs up. There's a you know, and you, if you watch Barack Obama, you know, he does a lot of finger pointing to accentuate his points. He's a fantastic speaker. But so we're saying in some cases it can work. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to be. If it's a strength, if it's your strength, and yeah. you know how to do it effectively, sure. or you're able to learn how to do it effectively, mm -hmm. absolutely. Okay. But to put it in an article. Just do it for the sake of doing it because it's going to make you successful. It won't work. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next next thing I want to ask you is what emerging technologies will either enhance or hinder the delivery of presentations? Um, there's all kinds of things out there. So what what do you think the future holds for us in, on that front? So, so PowerPoint remains the dominant gorilla yeah. in the space. You know, 90 plus percent market share out there will always be there. There's some really interesting new technologies. You know, one called Slide Rocket, a really interesting mm -hmm. one called Prezi. And I know yeah, Ken and I have, have talked about this. And Prezi's catching a lot of attention out there. It's a relatively new technology, about mm -hmm. two years old. And Prezi is great. It's very innovative. It's very sexy. You can check mm -hmm. it out for free online. How do you spell that? Prezi, P-R-E-Z-I. Okay. It's, it's a great... Uh, innovative technology. The problem is, like any other tool, it's just a tool. Mm -hmm. And it's there to assist you and complement you as a presenter. Yeah, because it's, it's such a great program. It has a tendency to take over the presentation. Exactly. It's like, uh, it's like a, ch a child the first time in the candy store. and You want to use it. Okay, so you get a little overly excited, yeah. and then, you're then we're back to losing the storytelling element, and then it becomes more about the technology the as opposed okay. to yeah. the presenter and the content. Okay. That's a segue to that question, though, is that emerging technologies are great, but don't lose sight of the fact that the most important thing in the presentation is the presenter. You got it. Okay. Got so, it. and then the the other question I want to ask on that front is, what are the considerations for doing presentations via the internet, like Skype or WebEx or UStream, whatever the mm. platform is, versus in person? Or we should be considering, okay, I have to do it this way now that I'm using Skype, but when I'm in the boardroom, face-to-face, it's got to be this way. This yeah. comes up in virtually every client discussion these days. And it does because of just the world is getting smaller. I'll give you an example, a uh, story. Okay. Uh, the, a client I was working with just this last month, you know, they work for a large tech company here in Ottawa. Uh, the majority of their employees are in India and Brazil and they present a weekly webinar to them every week discussing the status of their team. So you know, dozens and dozens of people working on the other end of the world. And um, so the basic principles of presentation and remote presentations and distance presentations remain the same. But psychologically people feel as though because I'm not in the same room as the individual, mm -hmm. I need to rely on more things like my tool, the slides. I need to cram it full of information, yeah. when in reality you still need to reduce the sheer amount of text on, on the slides you do. and have the real focus be on, again, your stories <laughs> and your voice. Yeah. Um, scalable content too, really, yeah, you know, not the 54 slide, uh, point slide, mm -hmm. but the three point slide. And that really remains true for kind of remote and distance and presentations. I think through that process too, you always have an invitation to discuss the presentation in further and greater detail. Exactly. I mean, there's an opportunity. The invitation to say, if you're interested in the subject matter, we can we can always venture down that road at greater depth, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, uh, smaller groups, if there's a, that interest. That's right.
what's the number one way to overcome presentation anxiety? Anxiety. Everyone's got to, you know, feel It's something. not a bad thing, though. Anxiety's not a bad I thing. I always say this. People who are not nervous before a presentation um, are not normal. Yeah. <laughs> are not normal. So it's very, very normal to be nervous for a presentation. Number one way, Graham, to get over it, preparation. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a reason why it's, there's 400 points out of 1,000 allocated to yeah. preparation. Just kind of honing your skills and effective preparation, not sitting in your office staring at your PowerPoint slides for hours, mm -hmm. but actually physically getting up, saying your presentation out loud as though you would say yeah. it live, using your hands, using your voice, using your slides the way that you would use it live is really curbs the any any anxiety that you feel okay. you're never going to completely get rid of it mm -hmm. but it will really help you um, yeah. and envisioning people like naked in the audience is just not going to work you know that's that's something that <laughs> would definitely depends on your audience <laughs> first off <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know to that point it's important that you prepare and, and you focus but you also make sure that the presentation is almost a reflection of you and okay. your style sure. Because Vince Scully, the great Dodgers broadcaster, they went on a tour of Japan years ago, and they're going to meet this great Japanese broadcaster, and he's he was the Vince Scully of Japanese baseball, mm -hmm. and okay. they got there, and all he was doing was an impression of Vince Scully. Nah. <laughs> you know, so if, from a presenter standpoint, figure out your your style. Yeah. Okay. So Steve Jobs' clip was great. We get mm -hmm. we get it what other clips can people reference like there's some TED talks that out there perhaps yeah. that are great um, but in your in your expert opinion what should people be checking out? I, I love TED uh, one of my favorite TED talks of all time not a, a real popular one kind of culturally is uh, is Rick Warren uh, pastor Rick Warren is uh, was one of the first posted uh, TED talks back when TED first launched their website it's kind of the first six TED talks that they posted up there and again, just great storyteller. Physical delivery, mm. not that great. He sat in a chair in the middle of the stage and talked for 20 minutes. But just story after story uh, was great. Sir Ken Robinson's another great one. You know, he, mm -hmm. he contracted polio when he was four, so he actually doesn't, he can't move around the stage and use his physical presence. But just great use of humor, great use of stories. On the flip side, you know, someone who's really effectively using technology is uh, Dr. Hans Rosling, who does a really great job of presenting data. Mm -hmm. What's unique about his presentation, and she has three TED Talks up there, is um, the data is very compelling, the way he displays the data is very compelling, and that's what he's known for. But without his voice, and without the way he presents it, mm -hmm. uh, the presentation and the data is nothing. Okay. The guy I like is Michael Gelb. He yep. does a lot of mind mapping. Uh, and what initiated his sort of interest was juggling. He, yeah. he took up juggling, and he's fantastic. Uh, his presence on stage, and he juggles, does all kind of stuff. But from a sports psych or a, from a psychology standpoint, mind mapping, left brain, right brain, and, and how you can actually train yourself. Okay. I found that really intriguing, and he did it. Normally, I would have been content when I was said uh, a little, maybe a little too deep for me. Right. But his presentation sold me the car. Okay. Okay, so this is uh, this is amazing information. I'm sure everybody's uh, reveling so. in all this, but um, we're gonna wrap shortly. But I just wanted to leave you like I always like we always like to leave people with some resources right. or some <laughs> books or some uh, other tools out there that people can access. And, sure. Uh, where are they? I get two favorite books around presentations. One is from a presentation guru named 
um, Gar Reynolds. Gar Reynolds is the author of a book called Presentation Zen. Uh, now, Gar is based in Tokyo, but he does a, a, a great job of talking about presentation design and effective presentation design, presentation mm -hmm. zen. And another one is from uh, Nancy Duarte, uh, a U.S.-based uh, design expert, has a great, a relatively new book out called Resonate, uh, again, about presentation design and effectively organizing and putting together a, a real kick-ass presentation. Okay. I'm a big fan now of e-books. Okay. Uh -huh. Because you can set the pace, right? You can set the, the pace, and the, everyone's learning curve is different. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've seen a couple out there. One that caught my interest was overcoming the anxiety, the fear of public speaking. And it's something where you can just pace yourself through because if you're anxious about it, we can't give you just a cookie cutter, here's your schedule template, and right. similar to what the Toastmasters do. And it's right. not a knock against Toastmasters, it's great for people who are just starting. Sure. But for someone who has a legitimate fear and anxiety and they need to sort of figure that out, mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Okay, so everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, again, weigh in with your comments. Go to uh, ottawa.iabc.com. Now, go there, stand up, and deliver. And that's yeah. how I want to close on this one. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Have a great week. You've been listening to the podcast of the International Association of Business Communicators, Ottawa Chapter, produced at the Media Style Studio. For more information, visit ottawa.iabc.ca. The Voice is partnering with Kidic, an online tool for one-click surveys. We need your feedback on our podcast. Go to this address, it's a bit of a mouthful, bit.ly slash thevoiceott.